From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. This broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that will give us insights into the various aspects of our Lord's temporal ministry, from His teaching and miracles to His atoning death on the cross and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled Nearest and Dearest Fellowship. The text is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 17. So shall we ever be with the Lord. While we are here, the Lord is with us, and when we are called away, we are with Him. There is no dividing the saint from his Savior. They are one, and they always must be one. Jesus cannot be without his own people, for he would be a head without a body. Whether caught up into the air, or resting in paradise, or sojourning here, we are with Jesus. And who shall separate us from him? What a joy is this! Our supreme honor, rest, comfort, delight is to be with the Lord." We cannot conceive of anything which can surpass or even equal this divine society. By holy fellowship we must be with him in his humiliation, rejection, and travail. and Then we shall be with him in his glory. Before long we shall be with him in his rest and in his royalty, in his expectation and in his manifestation. We shall fare as he fares, and triumph as he triumphs. O my Lord, if I am to be forever with thee, I have a destiny incomparable. I will not envy an archangel. To be forever with the Lord is my idea of heaven at its best. Not the harps of gold, nor the crowns unfading, nor the light unclouded is glory to me, but Jesus, Jesus himself, and myself forever with him in nearest and dearest fellowship.
and the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. As you enjoy the festivities of this season of year, we hope you will rejoice in the glorious truth of Emmanuel, God with us. From the ministry of Let the Bible Speak, we wish you and yours a most blessed and joyous Christmas. Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns brings the next portion of a message called Christ and the Holy Family. In the text in Mark chapter 3, we find the Lord Jesus teaching the multitudes who gathered around him. At some point, his mother and his brethren came and wanted him to come out to them. 
Their motivation was to convince him to stop what he was doing, for they thought he was mad. These brethren were his brothers and sisters whom Mary had borne after Christ's birth. Instead of complying with the pleas, even of his mother, Christ pointed to the multitude and said, Behold, my mother and brothers and sisters. It was those who eagerly heard his word and obeyed it whom he identified as his true holy family. As Dr. Cairns will emphasize, brothers and sisters in Christ are often a closer family than blood relations. Now Dr. Cairns continues this message, Christ and the Holy Family. We can also learn something for ourselves, and that's the absolute uselessness of depending on blood or privileges to gain access to Christ or favor with God. These people came expecting to get in because they were blood relations. Jesus said, no. Why? And this will lead us to the second main point, but because in John chapter 1, verse 13, he tells us about the people of God, and he says, which were born not of blood. That's what they were depending on. They were born not of blood, but of God. How foolish to depend then on anything but the blood of Christ to save you. Can I put it to you very bluntly? If these people couldn't get to Christ because they were in the same earthly family, why on earth do you think you would ever get the favor of God because you're a Presbyterian or a Free Presbyterian or a Baptist or a Roman Catholic or a Greek Orthodox or a Methodist or any... Why would you think that that would get you to God? Why would you think that any earthly position or privilege would get you to God? We live in an age of so much learning and yet so much utter rank stupidity. When people who ought to know better imagine that the God of heaven is beholden to them for this reason or that reason or the other reason, the truth is... Here you have the closest earthly bonds. You have, therefore, the greatest earthly reasons for being able to get through to Christ. And Jesus repudiated them. Make sure you don't make the same mistake. Before I leave this, let me just ask you to take a moment to consider. For this, to me, is a portent of an even more awful day. You see, these people had opportunity to repent, and they did repent. They had opportunity to get right with God, and they did get right with God, I do believe. But here is a portent, at least, of that day that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 7, that he spoke about again in Matthew chapter 25. When people will come before the judgment bar of God and they will plead that they belong to the family of God and he will repudiate them. I don't know you. I can think of no greater tragedy, greater even than this, for this was temporary. No greater tragedy 
than for people to be going out to meet God and they're basing their hopes for heaven on a false foundation and they're hoping to be received only to be repudiated by God Almighty and by the Son of God himself to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Depart. Your name was on that church roll, but I don't know you. You were baptized as a baby, but I don't know you. You were immersed as an adult, but I don't know you. You sat and drank at the Lord's, eat and drank at the Lord's table, but I don't know you. You took my name, but I don't know you. And I don't recognize you. And I don't receive you. There are people who think they're the family of God. And Jesus says, they're not my family. Now then, that leaves me a moment to show you that the Lord Jesus clearly identified the true holy family. In verses 34 and 35, uh, Luke's version of his words in Luke 8, 21, he speaks of these which hear the word of God and do it. Hear my words and do them. These, are, these then are the family of God. In other words, the Lord Jesus says, you want to know who my family are? They're my disciples. This is my real family. You know, as I read that, it brought something to mind uh, quite beside the point, but nonetheless, it's the true experience of so many of God's people. Blood ties. They say blood is thicker than water. And blood ties are certainly very, very close. And yet, you know, once you're saved, you're brought into the family of God. And you get new relations. And there are many, many Christians. They, they can thank God that their bodily relations and blood relations are also spiritual relations, that they've got a united family circle. That's the, the best of both worlds. That's the happiest way for it to be. But there's many and many a Christian that I have met. Sometimes they have felt guilty about it, and they really don't need to feel guilty about it at all. That while loving their earthly family, they have to confess, I am much more at home among my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. They are the closest on earth to me. There I have a bond. There I have a fellowship. There I have a closeness. There I have a love. There I have a support group. There I have something that I can't even get in the kith and kin that belong to me by body. As I say, it's nice when it's true on both levels. But can I suggest to you, there's nothing better and being related through the blood of Christ. If you want the best for your earthly family, you'll want to make sure they're in the family of God. Because you know, ultimately, that's the only family you're ever going to have. I don't want to take off on this this morning, but uh, this is the ultimate answer to the old question about the family circle being united or otherwise in heaven. There's an awful lot of sentimental rubbish talked about heaven. Not a lot of sentimental claptrap 
Uh, and it's meant, I suppose, for very good reasons, and it's meant to get us interested in getting our loved ones to heaven. I am all in favor of us being interested in getting our loved ones to heaven, to work before God day and night for the salvation of mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and sons and daughters. Get them all saved. I'm all in favor of that. But you know, you and your wife will not be in heaven together. There are no wives and no husbands in heaven. Those who are wives and husbands on earth will be together in heaven, but they'll not be husbands and wives. And that which relates you to the others there will not be because they're your children or your uncles or your aunts. There is a real family in heaven. It's the family of God, named for Jesus Christ, purchased with his precious blood, rightly related to God through the Son of God. That's the one family. The truth is that the family circle will be complete in heaven because in heaven we are all family. This is the true holy family, Christ's holy family, the people who stand peculiarly close to him, the people to whom he gives his special favor, the people uh, whom he never fails to recognize, whom he never repudiates, the people who have constant access to him, the people who have his assurance that they have all the privileges of the sons of God. That's the family of God. That's Christ's holy family. I want to ask you this morning, are you in that family? If there's one family that he repudiates and one family that he receives, where do you stand? I trust this morning that you will make very, very sure that you are in the family of God. Our Lord Jesus here, in repudiating the one and receiving the other, gives us a, a wonderful view of himself. This really should have been the message, believe it or not, this morning, for I'm doing a biographical study of the life of Christ, not topical studies about people related to him. But however, I always ask the Lord for a message, not a sermon. So we'll take it that the Lord had something to say to somebody on those issues that are of vast importance this morning. But as we draw it all to a close, let me emphasize Christ's revelation of himself here. When I see him refusing to listen even to Mary, when she says, stop this, I see his determination to do the will of his Father. What is that which is most evident in the life of Christ and should be most evident in the life of every Christian? It is to do the will of his Father. In fact, it is by reflecting this aspect of Christ that we are proved to be his disciples. Did he not say, who is my uh, brother or sister or my mother? Who is it? The ones who do the will of my Father. The ones who do the will of God. The ones who are like Christ in this, in his determination to do the will of his Father. It's a glorious study in the New Testament when you look to see how nothing could stop Christ from this. Nothing could stop him. On this occasion, he steadfastly went on with his work. On other occasions, 
when Satan or man got in his way? To use the words of Scripture, he set his face as a flint to go to Jerusalem. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me. I must do it. He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. There was a determination. And that was in fulfillment of the great messianic promise of Isaiah 42 and verse 4. He shall not fail or be discouraged till he have said judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. What a beautiful picture of Christ. The, if I could coin a word, the undiscourageable one. The one who could not be depressed or put in despair or turned aside, who kept the goal before him and said, I must finish the work. I have a people to save and save them I will. I have a sacrifice to make, and make it I will. I have a victory to accomplish, and accomplish it I will. Thank God he finished the work. We have no part in that work. But we have a ministry as co-workers with the Spirit of God in preaching that work. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. Music 